0: Clemson is going to be traveling to South Bend to take on Notre Dame this weekend. This game is slated to take place on NBC with a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Now, for Clemson, we already know that the biggest storyline heading into this game is that Trevor Lawrence is not going to be playing in this game due to having the virus. And DJ Ugulele, the freshman quarterback for Clemson, is going to be getting his second straight start. Now, for Notre Dame, we already know that there are going to be a lot of preconceived notions about this Notre Dame team. Okay, they are currently ranked fourth in the nation, according to the new AP Top 25 poll that just dropped a couple of hours ago. And everybody is not sold on Notre Dame. And a lot of people are judging Notre Dame by what they've done in the past. As we already know, Notre Dame in big primetime games, they don't really do all that well. Okay, but... I'm not making this preview and prediction video based on the Notre Dame teams from the past. I'm not going back to 2012 when they got stumped by Alabama. I'm not going by what happened last time they played Clemson. I'm going by what I've seen out of this Notre Dame team so far this season. I don't care about anything that happened in the past. Like, that's my problem with some people. Like, some people assume that a team is just going to be bad based on what they did in the past instead of focusing on what the team has actually done this season. I'm not focused on what Notre Dame has did in the past against good teams. i am focus on what Notre Dame is going to do this game. Okay, so I don't care about what happened in 2012. That was what, a couple of years ago? I was in fourth grade when they played in that 2012 National Championship game. That's years ago. So can we, at least for this game, leave the past in the past and focus on the Notre Dame team that we've actually seen so far this 2020 college football season? Because Notre Dame team that I see looks like one of the best teams in college football. And believe it or not, Notre Dame has the 8th most talented roster in all the college football according to the 24-7 team talent composite rankings. And they're 8th and Clemson is 4th. So Notre Dame does have the talent. And a big boost for Notre Dame going into this game is the fact that Trevor Lawrence is not going to be playing. So now that you're not going to have the superstar quarterback for Clemson playing, you have a pretty good chance of winning this game. As a matter of fact, Clemson is only favorite to win this game currently at 6.15 p.m. Eastern Time, November the 1st, to win this game by five and a half points. And when you look at Notre Dame, this, in my opinion, is the best defense Notre Dame has had since 2012. And in all honesty, this defense may be better than that defense that they had in 2012. They're fast, they're physical, they're really good up front. And you look at Clemson, that's walking into this thing with a freshman quarterback. Now, we know DJ Ugalele played really well against Boston College, especially in the second half of that game. In the first half, the Clemson offense kind of got off to a, um, a slow start. Travis Etienne coughed the ball up near the goal line. So Boston College got up big. But Clemson, like I was telling everybody, because I'm in a group chat with all my homeboys from school. And they was like, JT, Clemson's about to lose to Boston College. What do you think? And I was like, just give it a second. Give Clemson a little bit more time. Let DJ Ugalele get a little bit more comfortable in the game. And I bet you that Clemson comes back. What happens in the second half? Clemson comes back. So, DJ Ugalele, he's going on the road to South Bend to take on another Notre Dame team that's really good defensively. Now, last week, he was really good against Boston College, which Boston College is a really solid team this year. Now, are they one of the best teams in college football? No, they're not, but they have a pretty solid program. And DJ Ugalele, I want to see what Notre Dame is going to do to... Make him struggle in this game. So if you're Notre Dame defensive, you have to give him some looks that he's never seen. You have to make him uncomfortable in this game. This is a freshman quarterback going on the road in a big-time game, a big-time, primetime game that everybody's going to be watching. How is he going to play in this game? And how's his Notre Dame defense going to make him uncomfortable? Because that's what the biggest thing is for this Notre Dame defense. You have to make DJ Ugulele uncomfortable. Okay, because if you let DJ Ukulele get comfortable and he gets into a rhythm, this Clemson offense doesn't really miss a beat. This dude has a rocket for an arm. He also has some mobility as well. He's big. He's like a cam doing 3.0 or 4.0, whatever you want to call it. And we already know the weapons that Clemson has at their disposal. They have wide receiver, Amari Rodgers. They have Travis Etienne, the best halfback in college football right now. So Clemson has a bunch of weapons. So if you're Notre Dame, if you're going to win this game, you're going to have to force... DJ Ukulele, to cough the ball up, he's at least going to have to have at least two, three turnovers in this game. You have to be able to get pressure on. You have to make him uncomfortable. You have to be able to bait him into mistakes. Now, the biggest matchup in this game is going to be Clemson's defensive line versus Notre Dame's offensive line. Now, Notre Dame has the best offensive line in college football this year. As a matter of fact, they're pretty much going to be nominated for best offensive line in college football by the end of the year. And Notre Dame, four out of the five starting linemen heading into this game are all seniors or grad seniors. They only have one starter on this offensive line that is not a senior. He is a junior. So Notre Dame has a lot of experience out of the offensive line position. And I'm looking at a Clemson defensive line that is pretty solid, but this isn't the defensive line for Clemson that World are in the season. And I want to see if Notre Dame is going to be able to beat down Clemson's offensive line. Because, well, defensive line, excuse me, because Notre Dame likes to run the football. And Notre Dame, they're so good running the football because they have three running backs who they can all rotate in and out of the game. So everybody's coming in fresh. So if Notre Dame can beat Clemson up front, especially with that defensive line, with the time that they have on the offensive line, this could be a game that Notre Dame has a really good chance of winning. If you are a Notre Dame fan you feel really good about your chances if Notre Dame is able to actually beat down Clemson's defensive line because they'll be able to control the time possession and they'll be able to run the football at will, which will keep Clemson's offense off the field, which will also help out your defense because it gives your defense more time to rest on the sideline. Now, can Clemson stop the short passing game of Notre Dame and force Notre Dame to throw the football down the field? Now. I watched 3 Notre Dame games so far. I watched the Louisville game, I watched the Pitt game, and I rewatched the Georgia Tech game early this morning. And the biggest thing I noticed about this Notre Dame offense is that this is a ball control offense. This this is not an offense that's built to score in like a minute or two minutes. This is an offense that if they do have a big play, it's because of a wide receiver making something happen with the ball in his hands or a running back popping one loose for like a big 60-40 yard gain. So this is pretty much a ball control offense this is not an offense that's going to be throwing the ball all willy-nilly down the field like clemson this is an offense that takes what the defense gives and they pick up three four yards through the air and they don't really force anything and a big reason for that is because they don't really have a lot of talent at the wide receiver position notre dame lost three of their best wide receivers last year so this is pretty much a new wide receiver core that notre dame is working with And I really have concerns about Notre Dame in this game because of that. Because these wide receivers haven't really been all that great. And a large part of their pass game is actually their tight ends. Now, a lot of you guys may not know this, but Notre Dame... Has five tight ends that they all use. Now, three of those tight ends are used in the passing game and have two other tight ends that they like to use in the run game as well when they choose to come out in two tight end formations. So, if you're Clemson, you have to be able to make sure that you're able to keep these tight ends in check because these tight ends account for a big part of that Notre Dame offense. You also have to be able to make sure that you're able to force Notre Dame to actually try to throw the football downfield. Don't let Notre Dame just dick and dunk their way down the field because that's an easy way to lose the game now for Clemson. Clemson, obviously, even without Trevor Lawrence, they still have the edge when it comes to the time perspective because Clemson's cornerbacks are really good, even though that they're not a lot of big name cornerbacks that a lot of you guys don't really know about. Their cornerbacks are really solid, in my opinion. And you're looking at the Notre Dame wide receiving core that I don't really think is all that good, like I mentioned earlier, like Notre Dame lost. Um, their top three wide receivers last season. So the big part of their passing game is going to be the dig and dunk game. So these these cornerbacks, Brent Venables, I'm pretty sure he's going to force these cornerbacks to play physical, play aggressive, and force Notre Dame to have to win this game by throwing the football down the field. And the biggest part of Notre Dame winning this game is going to have to be Ian Book. Ian Book, the quarterback for Notre Dame, is going to have the ball lock. He's going to have to have the best game that he's ever had during his college football career. Because the thing holding back Notre Dame is that they don't have that superstar quarterback like a Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence or like a Joe Burrow per se, last year at LSU. So Ian Book is going to have to come out and play absolutely incredible for Notre Dame to get this victory because at the end of the day, he's going to have to make some big plays if Notre Dame is hoping to win this game because I don't really think that Ian Book is going to be able to dink and dump his way down the field like he's been able to do the last couple of weeks. And for Clemson, you have to make sure that you're able to come up with a game plan to make sure that you're able to get DJ Ugulele in a rhythm early because if you're Clemson, I don't really know how they will respond to being down uh, 21-10 or 21-7 to Notre Dame on the road. Being down 21-7 to or 21-10 against Boston College is a different atmosphere. But when you're down by a couple of touchdowns on the road against a really good program for a freshman quarterback, that's a different animal. Okay, so if you're Clemson, if you're Dabo Sweeney, you don't want to be in that position. So I think for Clemson, they're going to try to run the ball with Travis Etienne. They're going to try to get Travis Etienne involved in this game. And Travis Etienne is actually the best player on this offense, believe it or not. Some people say it's Trevor Lawrence. Some people say it's Travis Etienne. But as of right now, if I Trevor Lawrence playing in this game... It is Travis Etienne. So if you know that they need to take away Travis Etienne from this game, because if you take away Travis Etienne from this game, then you're going to have to force DJ Ukulele to find other players to throw the football to. And for Clemson, I think that this is going to be a game that is really going to make Clemson better, regardless if they win or lose. And the reason why is because you can't get better if you're just blowing out everybody. Clemson has to get better and the only way that they're going to get better is if they're in a tightly contested game okay like you're not going to get better by just blowing teams out like the only way you get better is by pushing yourself to limit so if you're a clemson fan you're hoping that this game is a blowout but in all honesty if this game is really close that's really how you're going to see just how good of a football team clemson actually is okay like you know you can blow teams out and things like that but the best teams in college football are the teams that are able to win the close games and clemson was able to do that last week against boston college we're going to be able to see if they're going to be able to do this against notre dame because this notre dame team i believe that a lot of people are really sleeping on notre dame a lot of people are saying that notre dame is once again a fluke team they don't deserve to be ranked in the top four the top five of college football they haven't played anybody and things like that listen 24-7 24-7 has Notre Dame ranked. as the eighth most talented team in college football according to the talent that they have on their roster. So Notre Dame does have some talent. Notre Dame has one of the best off the line, and so not the best off the line in college football. So Notre Dame is more than capable of being able to win this game. They're only a five and a half point underdog. If Trevor Lawrence was playing this game, it probably would have been double digits. It probably would have been Notre Dame walking into this thing as like a 12, maybe 15, 16 point underdog heading into this game. So that five and a half right there shows you that Vegas thing that Notre Dame may be better than what a lot of you guys who are Clemson fans are thinking. Now, is this game going to be close at all? Because we thought the Miami Hurricanes game was going to be close, and Clemson just blew that thing out the water. So for Notre Dame, man, I'm going to have to take Clemson to get the victory here. The reason why I'm taking Clemson to get the win here is because I don't really think that Notre Dame's offense— and the second half is going to be really be able to get anything going. Like, I think Notre Dame can come out in this game, and they start guns blazing, having a good first half, but in the second half, I think Brent Venables is going to be able to make some adjustments, and if Notre Dame wants to win this game, they have to be able to do it by throwing the football down the field. You have to take some shots down the field. You can't just beat Clemson just by dinking and dumping your way down the field. Like, you have to be able to have those big plays in the passing game, and I just simply don't think that Notre Dame is going to be able to do that because of these wide receivers. You know, they're kind of inexperienced, not really a lot of talent there as of right now that we really know about. And for Notre Dame, I just don't really think that Ian Bull is going to be able to make the big plays when it matched the most to get the victory. So even though Travis Etienne and Amara Rogers are there to help out this young quarterback in DJ Ukulele, DJ Ukulele is going to have to be able to make up. Um, and be able to get some big plays in this game to help Clemson get over the hump and win this game. And I think that he's going to be able to do so. He was able to do it against Boston College. I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, Notre Dame way better than Boston College, which they are. But that just shows you that if he's able to do that, he's been battle-tested. He's been in a close game. Although there's going to be a different atmosphere going on the road in South Bend, I have a lot of confidence in him being able to get the job done. And I'm not really confident it's Notre Dame offense like, I know they had a really good game against Pittsburgh, who a lot of people are saying has the best defense in the ACC. I don't really know how I feel about that. They do have one of the best defenses in college football, but I wouldn't go as far to say they have the best defense in the ACC. I still think that's Clemson by a landslide. So at the end of the day, I just don't think that Notre Dame is going to have enough big plays to be able to win this game. And a lot of you Notre Dame fans are probably going to get upset with that. But listen, I don't think you're going to be able to beat Clemson by throwing for less than 200 yards in this game. Notre Dame has to be able to push the ball downfield. These wide receivers have to be able to create separation against these Clemson cornerbacks. So I don't really think Notre Dame is going to be able to do that. So give me Clemson to win this game. 31-24 is my final score prediction in this game. I'm taking Clemson with the victory. The Tennessee Titans have now lost two straight games in a row. They lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple of weeks ago. And they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals 31-20. to And what has to be the biggest upset of the NFL season so far. And if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, you're looking for answers. You're trying to figure out what is going on with this team What's wrong with the Tennessee Titans? And I'm going to tell you what's wrong with the Tennessee Titans. It's two things. First, you can't get off the field on third down. Second, you can't get pressure on the quarterback. Did you know that the Bengals heading into that game against Tennessee was allowing three and a half sacks per game, which was third most in the NFL? Do you know how many sacks Cincinnati gave up against Tennessee? Zero. Did you know that the Cincinnati Bengals heading into that game against the Tennessee Titans were missing two of their starters on the offensive line? Jonah Williams and Bobby Hart. Two of the offensive tackles didn't play in that game against Tennessee. And they still won the game allowing zero sacks. Tennessee allowed Cincinnati to convert on third down 10 out of the 15 attempts. That is absolutely terrible. And the Cincinnati Bengals this is a team that really, I were I was not surprised that Tennessee lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I was telling my guy, Titans Upload, because we're both part of the FTNFN, Fan to Fan Network, when we were doing our pregame show, that I said, listen, I believe that Cincinnati has a really good shot of beating you guys. And he looked at me a little bit surprised when I broke it down to him. I said, listen, Tennessee, first of all, they were coming off an emotional loss against Pittsburgh that's one thing second they're not good at getting pressure on the quarterback and three they can't get off the field on third down and to my surprise he didn't disagree with me at all now he was surprised that i felt cincinnati had a really good chance winning that game but i mean listen i was not surprised that cincinnati won this game tennessee in my opinion is a team that i have to question the legitimacy when it comes to being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. A lot of people are talking about Baltimore, and then Baltimore's a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Listen, I believe that Baltimore is still a Super Bowl contender. Now, on the other hand, I don't know about Tennessee. Because the showing that I saw from the Tennessee Titans, what I've been seeing down the Tennessee Titans is the fact that. You can't expect to be a Super Bowl caliber football team if you can't get pressure on the quarterback and you can't get off the field on third down. And both of those things go hand in hand. The majority of the times, teams that can't get off the field on third down are teams that cannot generate pressure on the quarterback. Because the best teams in the NFL that can actually get off the field on third down, they can all get pressure on the quarterback. But Tennessee can't. And it's mind-boggling me that they can't because you have Jadavon Clowney, Harold Landry, and Vic Beasley. Two very solid pass rushers. In some way, somehow, you still aren't really all that great at getting pressure on the quarterback. Not to mention you have Jeffrey Simmons who has been great as one of the highest interior defensive linemen bar pro football focus throughout the midway point of the NFL season. So the two biggest problems with Tennessee are both on the defense side of the football. You're not able to get off the field on third down and you're not generating pressure on the quarterback. And those are two of the biggest keys to having a great defense. And you can't be a Super Bowl team if you can't get off the field on third down because if you are allowing teams to convert on third down and keep the drive alive and keep the chains moving, how can you expect to get any stops? The name of the game is being able to get off the field. And unless you're forcing turnovers, you're not being able to do that. And I'm really shocked that Tennessee got... Dominated up front by the Cincinnati Bengals of all teams. I can understand getting dominated by the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Baltimore Ravens or the Kansas City Chiefs or one of those teams up front, but getting dominated by the Cincinnati Bengals is an absolutely embarrassment to the Tennessee Titans. They should be ashamed of themselves. The offensive the line, the defensive line, for both Tennessee and um for Tennessee and that coaching staff, they should be embarrassed right now. They should be absolutely embarrassed because they got dominated up front by the Cincinnati freaking Bengals, the Bengals. And remind you that Tennessee did what they wanted to do. They were able to run the football with a lot of success with Derrick Henry. But since they were down so big early, they had to throw the football to get back into the game and they couldn't stop Cincinnati. I mean, even when Tennessee was trying to get back into the game, when they were trying to make things close, they couldn't get off the field on third down. Cincinnati was 10 to 15. Did you see that play that Joe Burrow Burrow went viral for when he broke out of that sack? Like, that is unacceptable. I don't understand how Tennessee can have this much talent up front, have one of the best front sevens in football, and yet be so poor when it comes to getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. These are the two main problems that has played Tennessee all season. And I've been telling Tennessee Titans fans this, that eventually this was going to catch up to you. It was going to catch up you not being able to get off the field on third down, and you're not being able to get pressure on the quarterback. And it's showing. And it showed against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Tennessee Titans have to clear up those problems. Those are the two biggest issues with the Tennessee Titans. And to be honest, I'm surprised that these weaknesses or these flaws with the Titans haven't been exposed earlier. I mean, we saw this with the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple of weeks ago. Pittsburgh was able to do whatever they wanted to do on third down. That's a large reason why Pittsburgh won that game. But if you were to tell me that the Cincinnati Bengals were going to go into this game and allow zero sacks without two of their starting off the lineman, Bobby Hart and Jordan Williams, both out in this game, I would tell you to bet your whole paycheck on it. Because I want to believe it. This is just flat out embarrassing. Embarrassing. It's not even the fact that you lost. It's the fact that you lost and you had no sacks. You couldn't get off the field on third down. It's the fact that you got dominated up front by the Cincinnati freaking Bengals. The Bengals. Out of all teams you expect to beat you at the line of scrimmage, the last team that popping pop in your head will be the Cincinnati Bengals. As a matter of fact, the Bengals have been the team in the majority of the games who, get, who are the ones getting dominated. It's not really a lot of instances that you can say that the Bengals have dominated a team up front. And that's not just this season. That's like over the last three years. I can't recall the last time Cincinnati really just imposed their will up front. And also, they had no Joe Mixon. No Joe Mixon. No Trey Hopkins. No Michael Jordan. They were missing several offensive linemen, including two starters. And they still allowed zero sacks against a Tennessee Titans defense that has Jadavion Klani, Vic Beasley, Harold Landry. And everybody was, neither one of those guys were injured. Vic Beasley was healthy. Harold Landry was healthy. Jeffrey Simmons was healthy. Jadavion Klein was healthy. All three of those guys played in that game. So, we're talking about the Baltimore Ravens and the questioning their legitimacy as being a Super Bowl contender. I'm looking at a Tennessee Titans team that right now can't get off the field on third down. And I'm looking at an Indianapolis Colts defense that can. That can actually get pressure on the quarterback. That can actually get stops on third down. And if you ask me, I think the Colts may be a better team than the Tennessee Titans. And I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying that they may be. Okay, because that defense for Indianapolis, the same one that got shredded by Joe Burrow a couple of weeks ago, looks like a better defense than what the Tennessee Titans have produced on the field. And I also feel like Tennessee's secondary could be playing a lot better as well. So for Mike Vrabel in Tennessee, they got a lot of things they have to figure out. Now, I'm not saying that Tennessee is not going to make it to the playoffs. I'm just saying that I'm not expecting Tennessee to make a big playoff run like they did last year. Because that defense I've been seeing for Tennessee has been absolutely pathetic. They have way too much talent to be playing the way they have been playing so far on the defense side of football up front. Like, the Tennessee Titans have to be the second biggest disappointment on the defense side of football behind the Seattle Seahawks. With how talented this secondary is, with how talented that this front seven is, with how talented of these linebackers and the front seven that Tennessee has, there's no reason why this defense should be struggling to get off the field on third down. So I don't know who's to blame for this, but everybody needs to get blamed. The defensive line coach needs to get some blame. The defensive coordinator needs a lot of the blame. And Mike Vrabel needs to get a lot of blame too because there's no way how we're at the midway point of the NFL season. And the, your biggest flaw is not being able to get off the field on third down and not really being able to get pressure on the quarterback that's something that should have been addressed a couple of weeks back i'm still surprised that tennessee is what five and two at this point with the way that they struggled on defense that's really surprising me because majority of the time teams that can't get off the field on third down and teams that can't get pressure on the quarterback they're not really good so both of those two things go hand in hand. If you're not getting pressure on the quarterback the majority of the time, you're not getting off the field on third down. So Tennessee needs to get this thing figured out. I, that's the biggest issue that I see with the Tennessee Titans. Now, I know Ryan Tannehill didn't have a great game against Cincinnati, but at the end of the day, the defense could have got off the field on third down. 10 or 15, the Cincinnati Bengals were 10 or 15 on third down and allowed zero sacks. The Bengals allowed three and a half sacks. On average, which is third most in the NFL, and they allow zero against the Tennessee Titans defense. That's the biggest problem with the Tennessee Titans. Not really the offense. The offense has been pretty good. But the defense has been really underwhelming over the last couple of weeks. You can't get off the field on third down. That w- That's something that I just simply can't get over. And this is something that has been an issue that I have kind of talked about with Tennessee. And I was wondering when this was actually going to be... One of the front run issues that a lot of Titans fans are going to start paying attention to. Because, you see, it's easy to ignore your problems when you're 5-0. and no, But when you start losing, that's when now people want to start taking issues with the problems that you actually have. And those are two big issues. You can't consider yourself a Super Bowl caliber team if you can't get off the field on third down and you can't get pressure on the quarterback. So those are the two biggest problems that I see with the Tennessee Titans so far this season as we head to the midway point of the NFL season. If Tennessee wants to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, they need to get that fixed. So I've been going through my news feed on Instagram and Twitter, and I've been noticing a lot of people ask the question, are the Baltimore Ravens still Super Bowl contenders? And a lot of people have been saying, no, the Ravens are no longer Super Bowl contenders. The Baltimore Ravens are overrated. The Ravens are frauds. Lamar Jackson isn't good. He can't win a big game. And listen, in my opinion, I still believe that despite losing to the Steelers, the Ravens are still not only one of the best teams in the AFC, but they are still one of the best teams in the NFL. I still believe that the Ravens are Super Bowl contenders. I know a lot of you guys are probably going to ask, JT, how can you say the Ravens are still Super Bowl contenders after they lost to two of the best teams in the AFC? They lost to Kansas City. They lost to Pittsburgh. How can you still believe that the Ravens are a Super Bowl caliber football team? Because, look, the Ravens turned the football over four times against Pittsburgh. If Baltimore limits the turnovers, they win that game. Baltimore out Pittsburgh in the run game. They had, like, over 200 rushing yards, okay? They got Pittsburgh off the field on third down. Pittsburgh was 3-9 on third down. Like, Pittsburgh's offense struggled against Baltimore. Pittsburgh, not just their offense, but their whole entire team struggled against Baltimore. What helped Pittsburgh win that game is the fact that Baltimore kept coughing up the football. So, if Baltimore didn't have any turnovers against Pittsburgh, they win that game. But it didn't go that way. Lamar Jackson, he played poorly. Okay, like I'm not going to say that Lamar Jackson is excused from any criticism because he does deserve a lot of blame for the Ravens losing. I mean, he turned the football over a lot. And the name of the game in the NFL is that if you can't take care of the football, you're going to lose nine out of ten times. So my thing with Baltimore is that I don't want to just hate on Baltimore. Just because I'm a Steelers fan. Because a lot of people say that, JT, you're a Steelers fan. Like, you should embrace being a Steelers fan more. Like, you should show your fandom more. And here's why I never do that. I don't want to be somebody who just comes on here and allows my fandom to cloud my judgment on teams. Okay? Because, listen, Baltimore is still a really good team. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL. That showed in the past game they had against Pittsburgh. Like, their defense shut down Pittsburgh's offense in the first half. What gave Pittsburgh's offense life was the fact that Lamar Jackson kept turning the football over, giving this offense extra possessions. So for Lamar Jackson, I mean, I'm not surprised how a lot of people are back on the Lamar Jackson hate train because this is just what people in life, people follow trends. When people see that a lot of people are showing love, everybody else is going to show love. If a lot of people see that a lot of people are showing hate, on one person, a lot of people are going to follow the trend and continue to show hate to that person. Like, people just follow trends, that's just what people do in life. A lot of people in this world don't know how to formulate their own opinions, they go by what the majority is saying. If the majority of people are saying that fried chicken is terrible, a lot of people are going to say that fried chicken is terrible. If a lot of people are saying that fried chicken is great, it's the best food on earth. A lot of people are going to say that fried chicken is the greatest food on earth. It's like, it's like with women, right? So, women, most women in this world. Don't want to have a man that's down. If a man is up, the women are going to come. But as soon as a man loses everything, the majority of the women that he's messing with, they're going to leave. So, I mean, no man can get a woman when they're down. That a woman has to build up. Everybody wants a man that's already built up. And when a man has a lot of success, everybody's going to be praising him. The women are going to come. People are going to talk about how great he is. But as soon as he loses everything, he has to start back over or he just starts to struggle a little bit and success starts to deteriorate, a lot of people start to leave. It's like when I first started YouTube. When I first started YouTube a couple of years ago, back in 10th grade, a lot of people were criticizing me. I didn't really tell a lot of people about it, but the people who found out about it, they were like, oh, JT, man, you talk about sports. That's lame and things like that. And people still to this day still try to send my head to my YouTube channel until I tell people that, you know, I'm actually making money off YouTube and people find out about it. then they want to start showing all this love. And now everybody wants to start showing support. It's crazy. When I didn't have a thousand subscribers, everybody was saying that I was wasting my time, that I didn't do nothing all day. I should just go ahead and get a real job. Well, now I'm making more money off YouTube than what people make actually, you know, clocking in at McDonald's, working the real job, quote, quote. And now everybody wants to, you know, ask me for advice about how to do YouTube, how to start their own business. It's like people just like to follow trends. Like when everybody else is showing love, everybody else wants to show love. When everybody else is showing hate, everybody else wants to show hate. That's just how it works in this world. So if Lamar Jackson, like as soon as he starts Playing like how he did last year, and he bounces back. Everybody else is going to be back on the Lamar Jackson hype train. Everybody's going to be right back on the Lamar Jackson and the Boston Ravens Super Bowl um front runner hype train. You get what I'm saying? So here's the thing you guys, right, remember that people had Lamar Jackson and the Boston Ravens going 16 0 before the season began. And a lot of people didn't think that the Steelers would be as good as what they are right now. And i am be honest, even as a Steelers fan, I didn't believe that the Steelers were going to be as good as they are right now. If you were to tell me that the Steelers would be seven and zero right now heading into the midway point of the NFL season, I wouldn't believe you. I probably would say about like five and two, four and three is what I expected the Steelers to be. So even me as a Steelers fan, I didn't expect the Steelers to be this good. So with the Steelers being good, of course Baltimore was going to have a cakewalk. Last year Baltimore was able to cakewalk through the division because Cincinnati was bad. Cincinnati still is bad. The Browns were bad last year. The Browns are pretty solid this year. Even though they're nowhere close to being up to the level of greatness that Pittsburgh and Baltimore is, they're pretty solid, and Pittsburgh is solid. So last year, Baltimore faced Pittsburgh twice with Mason Roth and Doug Hodges at the quarterback position. Now this year, you're facing still a team that has big bend back and can actually score points on offense. So of course, the division wasn't going to be as easy as what it was last year for Baltimore. But I mean, all in all, Baltimore has to play Indianapolis this week. They play New England the following week, and they have to play the Tennessee Titans in a rematch. So for Baltimore, this is a really critical stretch in determining if Baltimore is indeed still a Super Bowl contender. Because me, I'm not somebody who wants to change my opinion all that quickly based on what I've seen in like the last couple of weeks. Like I need to see a team consistently be bad for like three straight weeks. I haven't seen that in Baltimore. Okay, Baltimore, I understand they lost to Pittsburgh. They lost to Kansas City. But like I said, I need to see Baltimore lose to Indianapolis. I need to see Baltimore lose to New England. I need to see Baltimore lose to Tennessee before I come out and I say that Baltimore is no longer a Super Bowl contender. Like, I need more evidence. I'm not. One, I'm not somebody who is easily sway. Like, I need to see more proof before I go ahead and say that the Ravens aren't Super Bowl contenders. So, as of right now, I still think that the Ravens are still one of the best teams in the NFL. They just have issues that they have to figure out, and every team has problems, okay? It's no completely flawless roster. Like, every single team has problems that they have to fix. And for the Ravens, they have to fix their turnovers, okay? Lamar Jackson turned the ball over too many times against Pittsburgh. That was why they lost that game. So, a lot of people are going to hop off the Baltimore Ravens hype train, which is expected because heading into this game, we knew what the narrative was going to be. If the Steelers lost, everybody was going to say that all uh, the Steelers are overrated. They didn't play nobody. They got lucky against Tennessee. But if the Ravens, which they did with the Ravens losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers, everybody was going to say that all uh, Lamar Jackson's overrated. The Ravens are overrated. Like, I'm not surprised that a lot of people are having the opinions that they're having about Baltimore right now because this really wasn't a win-win situation for either team. Like, no team is going to come out this game with a loss and people still be like, oh, yeah, that's still a pretty good football team even though they lost. So, I mean, for Baltimore, they have to figure some things out. They're still really good defensively. This is one of the best defenses in the NFL. The offense, they don't really have any reliable weapons in the passing game. Aside from Marquise Brown, you don't really have any consistency there, and you still have Mark Andrews. But aside from those two guys, who else do you really have on the outside? Moss Boykin hasn't really been that great this year, and the Ravens don't really have a lot of talent at that wide receiver position, which was why they went ahead and they signed Des Bryant to the practice squad. And don't be surprised if you see Des Bryant get activated to the Baltimore Ravens' main roster in the next couple of weeks from desperation. Like, Baltimore knows that they need some more help at wide receiver to be effective. Okay, like, you're not going to be able to just run the football Every single play, like, you're going to have to have some plays that you have to throw the football to win. But it's more to Baltimore, strokes on offense than just Lamar Jackson. Like Greg Roman. Greg Roman's offense is not starting to get figured out. His play calling has been lackluster sometimes, like, in the second half. Like, why would you start the second half out throwing the football instead of just running the football? I mean, you've had so much success running the football against the Steelers' defense in the first half of the game. Why would you change up that game plan? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what the saying goes. So, it's a lot of things that Baltimore has to get figured out. Greg Roman... His play calling is now starting to get really questionable. And this Ravens offense still has some things they have to fix. But against Pittsburgh, what I saw was a team that if they didn't turn the football over as many times they did against Pittsburgh, they would have won that game. And you also have to give the Steelers defense props. I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm not giving the Steelers credit because it still is one of the best teams in the NFL when it comes to being able to force turnovers. I have to give the Steelers credit there. But, I mean, Baltimore had a lot of mental mistakes. They also had a lot of penalties. If they're able to clean those and get the turnovers cut down in half, this is still a really good football team. So, all in all, I still believe that the Baltimore Ravens are Super Bowl contenders. So, I know a lot of people may not believe me, but I still think that this is a really good team. Like, There are certain things that you can't fix. If you're bad on offense, you're just bad on offense. But you can fix penalties. You can fix turnovers. Those are errors that can be fixed. But one thing that you can't fix is just a team that just has a bunch of weaknesses and a bunch of holes on the roster. The Ravens don't have that. The Ravens have one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. The pretty much weakest spot there is the wide receiver position. So... If Baltimore can get the wide receiver position figured out, they can cut down on the turnovers and the play calling can, be, can, can become a little bit better, then the Ravens can be right back in that Super Bowl conversation in a lot of people's eyes. Because I know a lot of the national media, they're going to hop all the Baltimore Ravens um, hype train. They're going to say the Ravens aren't legit. But me, I'm not one of those people. I still believe the Ravens are one of the best teams in the AFC and they're still one of the best teams in the NFL.